And we are live. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Box and Win podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, make sure you like and subscribe. Uh, if this, if you're returning, thanks again for returning. Uh, but we're going to be talking about the Raptors' 115 to 109 win uh, against the Philadelphia 76ers. And most importantly, we're going to be talking about Fred Van Vliet doing the big balls dance in front of Sam Cassell. Awesome moment. Uh, but before that, um, let's play the intro. All right, so I, I don't want to waste any time. I want to get into this game. Um, this is their the Raptors' first win after a three-game losing streak. I think we called that on this uh, on this the swing on this four-game uh, swing here. We 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 would go two and two. I think all of us were uh, came to a consensus. We we all thought two and two. Um, it was looking for a while that it might we might go zero and four. Um, it ended up going in the Raptors' favor. Uh, a couple of big shots in the fourth quarter. Um, but yeah, um, Primate, uh, what were your thoughts on the game? They won a good second half. The first half had me concerned. I mean, I get they're coming off a of back-to-back, but you're facing a depleted Philly team without Embiid. Um, Drummond gave them some issues down low lacking a second seven footer continues to be a problem but they shot well they rebounded well enough um i, I did out rebound them um outshot them but um a win is a win i think that you got delano and some other guys scotty some minutes um og's figuring this new role out um, am I blown away by the win? No, because you would think that without Embiid, it would be a little easier, despite the Raptors not having a few guys themselves and coming off a of back-to-back. But um, good win. Uh, they looked... Uh, I liked what I saw in the second half. They shot really well. They moved the ball really well. Uh, they defended well as well, except for the fourth quarter where Maxi would drop 15 on them. But other than that, it was, uh, I liked it as a whole, but I wasn't necessarily blown away. So, awesome. I know you didn't get to see all of the game, but any thoughts uh, for what, what you were able to see? Well, I mean, well, the most of the game that I saw was the first half. So it wasn't really encouraging, which was probably one of the reasons I didn't end up watching the second uh, but, uh, I mean, I-, I thought Maxi was having a pretty good second quarter at that, like for the 76ers. Um, again, I saw very little that I saw. I think Precious struggled a little bit again a few times. Um, and that's the other thing I wanted to talk about later, probably. We did touch up uh, on Precious last time around. And then if what have you guys seen from him uh, last four games now? Yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll definitely get into that. Um, like, I think I, I think you're right. Maxi was was definitely giving the Raptors some trouble, uh, and this has kind of been a, a common thing throughout the last four games. It's the penetration has really been killing them uh, on defense, and and what it is, it's it's not necessarily the ball handler getting to the rim all the time. Although 
that did happen quite a bit with Maxi, uh, especially in the fourth quarter when he just went off and and it looked like he was going to take over the game and and give the game to the Sixers. But it's it's also that the penetrator drawing the defense in and creating those those threes on the wing and in the corner, which has has been a little bit concerning because you know w- with all the talk of the the athleticism that we have on the perimeter and our, our switchability, um, you know so, sometimes you'll you'll see. Barnes and and this is like this is just me being overly critical. Barnes has been fantastic, but he'll be a little bit a, l- a little bit too aggressive sometimes. Um, you know, pick a side and and you know with a guy like Maxi, if if you make the wrong move the wrong way, uh, Maxi's going to go by you because he'll just use his speed and, and and quickness. But I mean, great win, um, especially on on a tough back to back without Pascal. I think we've said this many times that this team is going to struggle sometimes. Um, they'll find ways to win. I think this the, the past what is it the past eight games is kind of exactly what we've talked about. Like they're gonna look fantastic at times and then they're gonna look awful at times too. Um, and you know it's it's just part of part of the process, growing pains. Um, I, I since you mentioned it, Azam, um, I'm gonna turn this over to you, Prime. what were your thoughts on on precious today and and over the past few games? <sighs> He finished at a plus nine. So, I mean, I don't want to just completely discount his game. I mean, he, he had nine rebounds, which is a good, which was good on that side. He looks better on defense and on offense, but I mean, one for 10, 0 for two from three. Why is he shooting threes? Like he just looks so, he's like the guy that's like at times like, when you're playing in school and there's a kid who's just not comfortable when you get, when he gets the ball and that's what he looks like right now. Uh, I think on defense, he's okay. Like he holds his own. He can do enough. He's rebound. He has energy, he has some length and he's able to sort of hide, but on offense, I just want to see this guy just dunk and just raw just like throw down mean dunks. And he just looks so uncomfortable offensively. Um, Again, I'm not going to just write the guy off. I'm not writing him off. I'm not writing anybody off this early in his career or this early in the season. But, I mean, it's clear that Kim, if this is a team that wants to maximize its wins, uh, they'd probably want to play Ken Birch more minutes when he's healthy. Yeah, so, I mean, he... So, here's the thing. Yeah, he, he, he can hold his own on defense, but... Given the way this team is structured, you probably need a lot more offense out of that position. Uh, maybe not a lot more, but significantly more than what he's producing. Like he was one of eight again, um, and one of eight, uh, and then one of nine if you include the three pointer as well. So, I mean, at some point you have to start. Like you need more offensive output out of him. Like you, you can't continue um, playing him down, right? Yeah, I, I think the the big thing with him is. It's not that he has to score necessarily. It's that he's got to be a threat. And right now he's not a threat. I think we've mentioned in the past, and William Liu mentioned this a couple times on Twitter. It's when he screens, first of all, there's like his screens are are pretty awful. I was looking up um, screen assist, which to my surprise, he's pretty much equal to Ken Birch on screen assist. I mean, screen assist is one of those stats where it's kind of like, what does that actually mean? But I mean... He's not a great screener. Uh, he's not a great roller. Uh, I, 
it's still very early in the guy's career. So again, like like you said, Primate, I, I don't want to write him off, but he just he does look very uncomfortable. But at the same time, it's kind of like we don't have a lot of options when Pascal doesn't play on a back to back. We got to find ways to to maximize his minutes and get something out of him. I, I do think that he did a better job today of being a little bit more aggressive. Now, the only problem is that that aggression was going at Andre Drummond. Um, who, who stuffed him a, a few times at the rim, but at least that aggression was there and he was trying to make something happen. The The best thing that happened in today's game, though, to be completely honest with you, is in that fourth quarter on that challenge call uh, when Precious took the ball to the rim and got blocked by Andre Drummond. I, honestly, I thought it was a foul, but I do prefer the fact that we won the jump ball instead of sending Precious to the line because I had zero confidence with Precious at the line um, in in a in an important moment in the game. Was that a foul? Yeah. Uh, do, do you guys think that was a foul? I don't know if yes. you saw it, Awesome. He got hit in the face on the follow-through. Yes. Yeah. I don't know how yeah. you overturn it. I guess they figured that the follow, because I don't know, maybe they thought Precious moved his head into the way and like it was a natural motion because it could have been related to the rule changes where like you have the mo like when you yeah like you can't it needs to you can't just oh god cam like kind of lost for words right now like you can't move in to draw contact and i guess they thought that well he went for a block so his arm was in the natural he was in a fluid motion and then precious's head got in the way i don't know to, to me that that's that's a that's a foul it, it like Fine, maybe it's a little bit soft, but I think you call. I don't think you can overturn that. If you called it a foul initially, I think you got to leave it because I don't think there was enough there to overturn it. Um, I think way, it was, it, yeah, I think it, I still think it was a foul, but yeah. I'm just trying to think, look from the perspective of the uh, the referee. Yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. It ended up working out in our favor uh, because, like I said, I was I had zero confidence with Precious going to the line at that moment. I don't know if we were down one or two. Um, I mean, maybe he splits the pair, but again, zero confidence. I, I still like pressure. There's still something there sometimes. Like, you know, the the one thing that I still want to see a little bit less of with Precious is, is when he gets that rebound, him taking the ball way too far up the court to the point where he, he and he does this often, it, whether it's off a rebound or just when he gets the ball, he just, he goes too far and he almost goes to that point of no return where he doesn't know what to do anymore and he's he's got to get rid of that ball or throw it up to the rim and I think that's where he gets himself into trouble. But, I mean, I'm hoping that with reps, with time, this is going to come. When Kem comes back, when Pascal comes back, maybe we can reduce his minutes a little bit. Um, but a- another thing that I wanted to talk about, and I think one of the big things that turned the game is is the play of Chris Boucher. Um, he's, he's been, you know, pretty much invisible. He's He's to be completely honest, he's been awful up until this point. But he had a fantastic game today. Yep, he did. Uh, we needed that. We haven't seen that from. We haven't seen. He's probably the only player that benefited from being down in Tampa. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, yeah you're right. He he looked. I mean, like his per thirty six numbers last year were were outstanding. Um, it it just it didn't translate for whatever reason this year. It it looked like he was pressing. It looked like he was doing, trying to do more than, um, than, than what he should be. And I think really what he needs to do is just go back to what he was doing a couple of years ago. Um, you know, be that kind of utility guy who does a little bit of everything. 
but I, I don't think he needs to come in with the thought that he's got to jack up shots. It, like that, that's not what we need from him right now. Mm-hmm. So I think we agreed. Um, yeah. 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 I think we, he's needed, especially like we need to get, especially with precious struggles. If they can put him at the five at times, a guy that can roll more, provide some offensive spark off the bench. Definitely, definitely much needed. All right, so I, I want to move over into the next segment um, because I, I like not that we're not going to talk about this guy. And I'm, I'm assuming, okay, so it's the player of the game segment, and I'm assuming I know who you're going to pick as your player of the game, Pramit. Um, yeah. But uh, I'm go ahead and announce who you got. Steady Freddy. It's got to be Fred Van, Mister Van Vliet. Um. He's logging some really, really, really big minutes. He's playing really, really well defensively. I mean, for a short guard, I don't want to say little guard. I'll say a shorter guard. Like, he's the deflections, the steals, the 32 points tonight, uh, seven assists. Uh, He was a uh, plus 14. He's the guy. He's the guy. Man, he's... And there was a concern about losing as much as we miss Kyle Lowry. I think that Fred has been more than adequate, more than good at covering that, filling that role in. And he's leading the lead in minutes, right? He's, he's, he's right at the be. Yeah. Because what he's averaging, what, like 37, 38 minutes a game? Yeah. And he played 40 today coming off of back to back. Exactly. It's a little, little bit of a concern. I mean, the backup guard position is still a little iffy. They're not playing Dragic. They're not playing Flynn. Um, Delano is getting minutes, but he's not necessarily a guy that you just want to hand 20-plus minutes a game to immediately. So uh, it's a little bit concerning that they're so Fred-dependent. And, you know, I, you always worry about management and injury, minutes management and injuries. But, again, I hope that... As Siakam gets a little more rhythm back in his game, they don't need to ride him as hard, ride Fred as hard. But we, I mean, we talked about this in our last episode, where you know I asked at, at what point do the minutes start becoming a concern? And I know you say like, you know, it's starting to become a concern, but you know, forty minutes on a back to back, like you said, that's that's a little bit concerning. And maybe maybe the thought is like, you just ride him until you figure it out. Um, and you know, you got, you got a couple of days off, I think not, not immediately. Um, I think they're playing, so they, they're playing on Sunday. So you got a couple days off and then Saturday, actually Detroit. Oh, sorry. Oh, so it's not even a couple of days off. I don't think you get the two days off until next week. So like how, how, how long can you like, not that any of us knows what Fred is feeling, but he's talked about like, you know, just being a little bit more exhausted than normal. And on, on normal occasions last year, he, he could hardly walk out under his own power so like at what point does this start becoming a serious concern and and when you're gonna burn him out so before you answer i i want to add to that i want to ask another question so you know with precious you know he's getting a lot of minutes because of siakam's injury and you know it's a bit of a developmental year for him so what's the what's the logic in playing like you know we need offense so you have to play Fred more but why not have similar logic for a backup point guard? Why not playing him backup more? 
to be honest with you, I, I think a lot of it has to do with having a creator on the floor, and we don't have a lot of them on our team. Um, Fred is 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 our a, a large part of our offense, uh, and I just you know Nick Nurse probably just trusts him a lot more than having Delano or uh, Goron Goron or or Malachi. Like you're not, I don't think he wants to go in there and essentially just give up the main part of your offense because without Fred. I just don't see like sure you have OG out there, um, you have you have Gary, but I think they're still very dependent on Fred to create things for them. But if you guys, if you think that him playing these many minutes become a concern, then at some point you have to look at that, right? You you have to trust someone to do the job. Yeah, yeah, you're right, and I don't know, I don't know what the end game is. Like, I don't know if if eventually you just say, you know, Fred sit out this game and and maybe you know maybe with pascal when he comes back and maybe this is this might be the nurse logic maybe with pascal back you can eventually start playing scotty a little bit more at the point guard give fred some minutes yeah. off and then svi who i think i think svi needs some more minutes in this um uh, because he he's played great or you know maybe it's it's boucher one of the things that i actually found interesting and, and not to veer too much off topic but and Obviously, you know, sample size being small and everything, but Boucher's plus minus numbers on on a lot of the combinations that he's on are actually fairly decent. I know like sometimes he runs around like a chicken with his head cut off, but the plus minus numbers actually end up being pretty good. And I, I think offensively they struggle with him on the floor, but defensively they're they're fairly solid. So I think I think the logic is probably you just slide guys around. Yeah, I I, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that when Siakam gets some rhythm back, we're going to see Scotty as the ball handler a lot more. Um, we may, or even we talked about this last week. If the three sort of vets of the system are Siakam, Oji, and Fred, there's likely that feeling that Fred needs to be on there as much as possible. Uh, with Siakam out there, maybe then they trust Malachi a little bit more as well. Uh, Dragic, I don't know what's going on. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we'll uh, talk about him later too. I, I have something planned for him. But I, I, I don't know. The, the other wrinkle that we still haven't seen, and obviously this is because Pascal hasn't been there, but it's Pascal as a ball handler, which they've toyed with a little bit, right? Oh, they did that quite a bit. Uh, in, yeah. They've done that a lot in the past, point forward. They did yeah. that last year at times when yeah. they were sitting Lowry. Even a couple of, couple of years ago, they were doing that a lot as well when uh, uh, Lowry was, had some injury issues. And uh, before the uh, pandemic, he was they would have Fred off the ball so he can be a bit more of a spot-up shooter. And Pascal would be the distributor. So I don't think... I think Nurse's vision and what they want to do is truly positionless basketball. And yeah. as guys get healthy, assuming nobody else gets hurt, we're going to see just mad scientist Nurse come out uh, in the upcoming weeks. And to, to throw something else in there, Isaac Bonga today with the, nine, with the 905 in their win scored, I think, 25 points, had nine rebounds and like a few assists. Um, I mean, realistically, he's it's, he's not not going to be anything, but I mean, maybe he is. Maybe maybe they find a way to get him some minutes because I think Nurse likes Bonga. 
Yeah, I mean, they but, kept him over Decker, so they yeah. may see something in him. Yeah, and over Wainwright, too, who they apparently liked at one point. Wainwright was – that guy could have become, like, just the way he's built. I was, I was thinking maybe he could become, like, the next P.J. Tucker, just a yeah. guy who just defends and gives plays physical. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was my thought, too. But, um, I mean, unfortunately, it didn't work out. I know he – he caught on with the Suns. I don't. I think he might be with their with their G League team. So it'll be interesting to see what he does. Yeah. Um. We'll yeah. So we'll, we'll, uh, moving on to the next segment. Um, this is something we've done in the past. Um, few people liked it. I I decided to bring it back. Hopefully, it doesn't take too long because I have a few different ones. Maybe I'll cut cut a couple of them out. But so basically, buy or sell. So I, I'm going to give you a scenario. You're going to tell me if you're if you're buying or if you're selling that. Um. You can give me an explanation. Uh, just keep the explanation short. Uh, so the first one, um, are you buying or selling the Raptors as a playoff team? Buying. Uh, awesome. I'm selling. I mean, I'm on the fence, I'll be honest. I'm buying. Really? Uh, I really believe... Playoffs, are you saying pickup as well? So... Making it in so past the um not not te- not the top ten but making it into like after the play-in game making it into the top eight. I'll buy. I'm buying this. I still I'm think, buying. Yeah, yeah. I'm buying the hell out of this. I I still think that we have we have something there. Um and and like Primate has has said countless times, it's this is a second half of the season team, and we're gonna get much better as the as the season goes along. Um, so the next one, and we'll start with uh, with Primate on this one. Um, Fred Van Vliet, are you buying or selling Fred Van Vliet as the next next great Raptor? Buying. You already, you could argue that he already is undrafted. Like he personifies Raptor, what a Raptor is. Whatever, underdog, undersized. Exceeded any expectation, any reasonable expectation that he could have had. Borderline All Star should be on the All Defensive Team. Could make an All Star team this year if he fact if they factor in defense and if Raptor if the Raptors campaign hard for him with votes and all that. So, oh yeah, but like absolutely, he's like, yeah, oh yeah, he's like they're kind of like they're. I'm trying to think like the Spurs equivalent of like the Ginobili Parker type player, although Parker was a finals MVP, but like that Ginobili, like just really, really good for a really, really long time. May not be like the elite, elite superstar player, but just like, like fourth quarter specialist. Yeah. Steady Freddie just does everything yeah. consistently well. Just. Awesome. I assume you're buying this one as well. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I mean, like Pranav said, he's already done a whole lot relative to how, he, like, being like the fact that he was undrafted, unlike a lot of other players, he's already achieved a whole lot. But I think this is probably a key year that will determine a whole a lot more because this is the first time in his career he's the number one distributor on the team, right? So, but uh, so far from what I, uh, we've seen, uh, yeah, I'm buying this one for sure. Yeah, me too. I'm putting all my money into this. As long as he doesn't break down, even if he does, I think just the amount that he's given in the past and the way he's looking so far, I'm definitely buying this. 
Um, so the next one is, uh, are you buying or selling Goran Dragic playing meaningful minutes for the Raptors? Awesome. I'll buy. I, I think eventually he'll probably get in. I, I honestly, uh, I mean, maybe I haven't fallen up, but I don't know why he hasn't gotten as much game time as I would have expected, to be very honest, because worst case, he's a good showcase. But uh, but I think I'm buying it. Eventually, he'll have to play. Like, I'm selling. I think that both sides agree that it's probably best to work out a deal and get him to a contender. But if they're not, if he's not gone by the All Star break, then they'll probably uh, buy him out and let him catch on, get in, get into the bio market. Yeah, I, I'm selling this, um, but I, I do see what you're saying, Awesome. Like, I, I'm not sure what's gone on there. I don't think Nurse has been asked. I, I've seen most of most of his interviews i don't know that he's been asked about Dragic. maybe i've missed it i don't know what happened um like he's still got something there but you're right maybe they've just figured out you know they it, it is best for both parties um so the next one uh are you buying or selling chris boucher returning to a sixth man of the year six man award uh level player uh awesome I think this one I'm gonna I'm selling on this one. So I think he's gonna be back. He's gonna have a good year, but if, if you talk about six man of the year kind of a year, maybe not. Yeah, I'm selling. I think he can be a good bench piece. Uh, I don't know if he'll get back to what he was last year. Last year could have been his career year. I was actually talking to another friend about this that like could have been a good sell high opportunity for him coming off the season. They had it because he's under a reasonable contract for this year. Yeah. And uh, just given the year that he had was like great, fantastic, incredible for someone like that. Like maybe it would have been a good buy, uh, oh, sorry, sell high opportunity. So I think, I mean, I don't think he'll get to, he's not even going to get the minutes. Like even if he gets his rhythm back and all that, just given the way the team is set up, I don't know if he's going to necessarily get the playing time anyways so uh i'll sell but i think he could become a perfectly fine rotation player for them yeah i i think i'm selling too but i think him being a 15 to 20 minute a night guy um and every once in a while due to injuries or or you know back to back he gives you 25 minutes and he gives you a little bit of everything i i prefer him in that role I don't like him being in the mid twenties to like definitely not thirty minutes a game. I think there are just too many too many little issues with him that will that will creep up and you know plague you if if you're playing him a lot. But uh, I I do like him uh, still in in a in a rotation role, but you know limited minutes. Uh, and finally, uh, are you buying or selling Pascal Siak- Siakam as as the the number one option that the Raptors have been missing? Premit. Selling, he was never than I. There's that misconception out there that when you in the NBA, when you become a max player, you're also like the guy, the whatever. The only reason so many players get max contracts is because there is a max, so like there is a max a player can get, so the market will dictate that. And nobody should have thinking, okay, most improved player of the year, Kawhi goals he gets his extent the max deal there that assumption and he made an all-star team but is he like a true number one on a title team title contending team no i don't think he was 
ever expected to be that, but he could be a very, very good, like top three player on a legit contending team. Like he was a couple of years ago. So this isn't a team that's built to have a number one option. I think that the number one option is just going to be dependent. They're not a team where you can just give a ball, the ball's going to say go. They're going to, their offense is going to be based on a lot of ball movement and just getting open shots and taking what the defense gives. So I'm selling, but because I never, I bought him as a really, really great player and never had a problem with the max deal because I understood NBA economics. But I'm selling because of that and the fact that their system isn't really designed that way. So you're saying they're like the Tampa Bay Rays of uh, NBA? I guess, yeah. I mean, hey, he didn't like that. He did not, not like that payroll. one. I'm not talking about payroll. Well, yeah. I, I, well, I, okay. I, I look at the two that like the, this team isn't as good as the 2014 Spurs. But if you look at the 2014 Spurs, like yeah, they had Kawhi, but Kawhi didn't become, wasn't the offensive player. Like that, he eventually became. He won Finals MVP because of his defense. Like that season, he averaged in the Finals MVP. He averaged sixteen and a half points a game. So, and then the playoffs uh, in 2014, he averaged fourteen point three points a game. Is so it like the Spur? That 2014 Spurs team. It's not. I'm again. I'm not comparing the Raptors to them. What I'm saying is it's a similar model, whereas it's just going to be dependent on ball movement, open shots, making the extra pass, setting good screens. And it's not necessarily going to be built around building around an exceptional or an elite player. So basically a team that's sounds greater than its parts, right? So that's... That's what yeah, now like they just like that Spurs team, they had a lot of vets, they defended. Like, I mean, they had people like I said, who's that? Tim Duncan. Well, Tim Duncan was 38 years old on that team, yeah. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. he, he uh, he averaged about 15 a game, which is actually more than I thought in the regular season, but he could still defend. He played less than 30 minutes a game. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ginobili was in his late 30s, Parker was 32, so Parker was still Parker was almost like what. The, what Freddie is, but they didn't even. I don't think I'll look through the stats and I don't think they had a 20 point scorer, a guy who averaged 20 that season. I don't think so. No, no. they didn't. So, so, what you're saying is you were looking for the Raptors to be the model of when you, when you take a business class in university and they talk about synergy, the Raptors will be the model for synergy. Well, they sh you hope that if they are, then they can go yeah, deep. Yeah. But like, it's so hard to pull that off. I mean, the oh, Spurs yeah. had I high IQ vets on that team, so very like that. That's why I just if the pandemic never happened, I really believe that Raptor team from two years ago would have gone back to the finals without Kawhi. I in my heart believe that because of the way I agree they played offense like. They weren't an elite offensive team, but they were smart. And then the defense was exceptional. And then the lockdown happened, stop, stoppages, Siakam, just whatever happened to him during lockdowns, he was not the same in the bubble. And they still got to game seven, like the final minutes yeah. of game seven. 
even with Siakam being terrible. So they uh, that was sort of the 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 model of synergy because they had vets with high IQs. Now they could this team is still very young, so the upside is exciting, but they just haven't gone through. Like we know playoff basketball is so different, right? They need to go through it before you can really start to assess uh, who these guys are. So, Azam, are you are you buying or selling this one? No, I'm I'm selling as well, but it's no knock against him. It's just uh, like what Pramit mentioned a lot, and it's like you know you don't have to be that elite number one guy to be a really really good player, and I think he is like probably a second banana on a very good team, but uh, yeah, but I'm selling him. You know, it's not a true number one. So surprisingly, I'm buying this, and I'm only buying this in the context of the Raptors need him right now. That is what they're missing, I think. Um, I don't think he takes him to the promised land or anything, but I, I do think that they're sorely missing another, and not necessarily maybe a number, a true number one option, but I think he'll be like 1B to Fred Van Vliet's 1A. He just gives them somebody else to burden that load um, that, you know, right now it's 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 literally most of the times Fred and and sometimes you know by committee it ends up being OG. But I think I think if OG is like your you know that that guy who gives you 20, 25 every now and then and isn't necessarily I don't think he's ready to be a number one option. And I think like I think he does a good job of it, but I think there are times where he just he goes he goes unnoticed for too long. Um so I, I do think that Pascal would would definitely help the team. And if they're gonna be a playoff team, I think it's because Pascal um, carries a lot of the offensive load. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, I mean, Pascal's only played what two games. Um, and like looking at uh, this takes us to the next segment, looking at the, the past week, one in three, um, trying to work Pascal in. Um, it's, it's been difficult. Um, you can see some of the difficulties, and we talked about this on our WhatsApp group. You can see some of the difficulties that, that the offense is having with Pascal in there, but. You could also, I think, envision a world where, like, Pascal makes a big difference offensively over the next. Uh, it, it might take a couple weeks, but I, I think I think he'll get there. Yeah, so, and- I think so. I agree, but I'm not gonna say he's the number one, like the true number one. But I think just him being there, defenses having to key in on him more so, just will make things better offensively for this team. Are, are you concerned at all about the one in three in the last four games? Or do you think this is just par for the course and this is what we should expect? Par for the course. I mean, yesterday's loss was a bad loss. Brooklyn, they weren't really... Yes, it, was it was a bad loss, yeah. And Cleveland, they should have closed that game. They didn't. I also believe that Cleveland's better than most people think and that having a team of two very good seven-foot players are and represent a nightmare opponent for them because we don't have any seven-footers. So Jared Allen and Evan Mobley just make things difficult. And then there are issues with them getting – the Raptors getting to the free throw line and referees as well. So, no, this is par for the course. You know, I, I think of all the games that obviously that – um 
that Cleveland game was just it, it was the most frustrating because because it was there. Um, like they they've had uh, a tendency in the last quarter to make things difficult on themselves with unforced errors. Um, I like I nothing stands out in particular about that Cleveland game. It's just it it was winnable, and I thought that was one of the one of the games that we would be able to get. I think when when we looked at the schedule, I thought the Cleveland game. Um, and maybe the Boston game were the two that we would win. Um, but that was obviously before Embiid was was hurt. And I think that made things a little bit easier, Embiid being out today. Um, obviously, they got Tobias Harris back, but it was after you know being off for 10 days. Helped my fantasy team, though. But, um, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's definitely par for the course. We're going to see this. Um, fans are going to have to remain patient. The, the ones who jumped on during the the championship season, they're 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 not going to be happy because for whatever reason they they expect championships and nothing but championships. And yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not too concerned about one and three, I, but I like you said, I thought like the Cleveland game was definitely very winnable and kind of let us get away from them. So despite yeah. all the challenges that we thought that they would face, uh, I thought they were in a pretty good position until the end and. Uh, I mean, even odd makers had them favorites one point one forty three, right? So, I for, for the, yeah, yeah, beat Detroit on Saturday before that West Coast trip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so let, let's look at that. Actually, that that's that's the next and final segment. Uh, I'm gonna pull up the next. Th well, we'll look at the next three games, uh, but I mean, we'll look look at everything really. But there's Detroit. And then you got that four-game West Coast swing before that um, before that weird Memphis game in there, and then uh, Indiana. So it's it's six it's six games on the road. Um, Detroit, obviously, I think you need that win, and then it's it's going to get pretty tough. So let's let's pick the next three because I think the Utah game is probably when our next um, our next episode will fall. But we'll probably have to do a pregame or like some somehow like during the game. Um, but so looking at Detroit, Portland, and Utah, we got our predictions last week wrong. So we all picked two and two. Um, they ended up going one and three. Um, what are you guys predicting for the next three games? Two and one. Awesome. Uh, I'm thinking one, two and one, or one and two. I would say one and two. I'm think thinking one and two as well. I got the next two games they'll take. Uh, Portland is a well, little... They should take Pistons. They should. Yeah, they should definitely take the Pistons. I think we all agree that that one's a win. The The Utah is... Like, Utah is definitely... No, I think no. definitely a loss. Elevation. Um... Portland, I, that's the one. That's the that's the swing. I but I think I think they lose it. I think Powell so. has a big game. He's already played them, by the way. So that well, I'm I'm gonna get them. I think Trent will also have a big game going back the other way. And he, uh, yeah, I mean, no, I, I think they can take the next. Uh, yeah, I think they should. I expect them to take the next two. And Utah will be a challenge. Even Sacramento. They don't have a great record yet, but I think Sacramento, just like the shooting they have, will pull as a challenge for the Raptors as well. 
Um, Golden State's playing very well, although the schedule is soft. Memphis is very soft. Memphis is good. Uh, Scotty Barnes guarding Ja Morant. That would be a lot of fun, though. Yeah. Listen, I'm looking at this schedule with that West Coast trip. This could get so there's seven and six right now, but this could get pretty ugly depending on how things go. I don't, I, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know. You guys are saying three three one, three two, three. what do you think next six? What would you predict for the next six? Next six. Okay. Let me, let me, let's go. Let, let me go through it. I, I'll give you my prediction by going through it. So I think Detroit's a win. Um, Portland and Utah are losses. Sacramento's a win. So we're at two and two. And then these two are, so I, I think we're going two and four. That's my well, prediction. If you're, if you're counting the indie game at the end of the trip. Okay, so let's, let's throw Detroit out for a sec. Let's just look at the uh, West Coast trip six games. I'll be thrilled with three and three. Two and four, that should be the floor for them. Obviously, it could go worse, could go bad, but I'll, I'll take the two and four. And if they take uh, if they can beat the Pistons and you're three and four going through that stretch, and then you come home and and you're at five hundred. Yeah. And then you gotta but then you go and then like I worry about that Boston the bot like after a long trip, you only have one off day before the Boston game. That's a trap game. Yeah. And then you got, and Memphis, then you got Memphis again, again man. Like and then you got Milwaukee. Oh, like I don't know if how many of their guys will be back yet. Uh, Washington, and then eh, things will ease up a little bit more in the uh, in the month of December. But uh, that's why, like, I always thought that January onwards, this team would be much, much, much better. Yeah, I mean, ho- hopefully they remain healthy. I think that's a big thing, and hopefully Pascal can can find his legs in there and 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 find his his place in the team. Um, I'm I'm just saying it could if they come back from that and they're ten and ten I'm happy, even if they get to like if they end up at the All Star game and they're ten and ten, I think we lost Azam. Um, if we end up at, at ten and ten by the All Star game, I, I I mean sorry, at five hundred by the All Star game, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. No, it could put them in line for a bottom play seat playoff spot with yeah. a uh, better with a lighter schedule to wrap up. So we'll see. Yeah. So I, I think that's a good place to end it off. Um, any, any last, last thoughts guys? All good. I'll be happy with two and four. So. <laughs> All right. So we'll see how we did with our predictions. It wasn't great this week. Hopefully next week it's better, but if you're still with us, we really appreciate it. I, it there are some comments again, um, which, Last week, we didn't actually end up getting to them because we didn't realize they were there. Um, this week, I tried to respond to whatever I could. But if, if you're still with us, we appreciate the support. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe. Um, you know what to do. But thanks for being with us. And uh, we'll be we'll be back again next week. Like I said, we'll probably be doing a pregame show because of the West Coast trip. I don't think any one of us has any interest in staying up that late, especially with work. But um, thanks again and uh, good night. Good night. Good night.